What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, everyone? Okay, so for this one, this is a topic we have touched on before. And we speak about it a lot, but we're doing an actual episode on it. And what we're going to talk about today is what we consider MMA eras, right? And you'll hear people say, oh, MMA is in the third era. It's in the fourth era. It's in whatever, right? One of the issues I think is that what people constitutes as an era is different. And even when I look at what I put together in my list, it depends on what a person's talking about, what era that I think we are in. Uh, but before I pass it over to you, Locke, just in general to get your opinion, I want to read what an era is, right? Just the textbook definition of an era. And so, for the record, I just want to say yes. this before you read it. I hate yes. when you do this because I put my shit together and then you will read something <laughs> that makes my shit look stupid and then say, let's move forward with the conversation. And now everything I have prepared sounds that much dumber. So, Listen, yeah, this is going to be fun. Let's go ahead. This let's is learn. Like, no, this is like one sentence, two sentences. It won't affect anything <laughs> that you're you're saying. Okay, so. What is an era? It is a long, distinct period of history with a particular feature or characteristic or a system of chronology dating from a particular noteworthy event. So in other words, it's usually, in my opinion, when I look at that, it's usually started and ended by something significant in time where we consider that an era and sometimes we don't know when it ends you look back on it and realize that was the end of an era Mm -hmm. so now with that said and you know no lock did all of this great research (laughs) before we get into this i wanted i wanted to get your idea in particular of an mma what do you think of when you think about an era in mma so I know when you and me have had this conversation before, we have kind of different um, perspectives on it. But I still think it's cool because nothing you said I think is wrong. It's just kind of different than how we've done it, you know, and that's kind of the fun of conversation. But I've kind of put my MMA eras into based on um, the the evolution of the sport because it's such mm-hmm. a young sport in its prime it has came very very far in the 30 years or whatever but it is still a relatively young sport Mm -hmm. so i think i've kind of done mine based on like i feel like the growth of the sport or or of the participants but 
I did mine right. So mine is the actual official <laughs> eras of MMA. And then, you know, whatever yours is, you know, you can read that as supplemental. Right. It's like the ex- expanded universe right. or whatever. Yeah, it's like yours is a UFC and mine is like Bellator. And like, yeah. you really don't have to pay attention to it. Right. Yours is literally the one and the EBI and the, all the shit that nobody watches except you. That's your heiress. So I'm going to, you know, what's significant about what you mentioned as far as the time. Um, MMA, as we know it, started with the UFC. It wasn't that there were not mixed rules fighting or anything like that in other places or anything but as far as it really being narrowed down to a sport and a legal spectacle event, particularly in the U.S., um, the UFC is what started it. And that was in 1993. So we are approaching, what, 30 years now um, of MMA. Another promotion you hear us talk about a lot that's a promotion from back in the day was Pride Fighting Championships. They actually started in 97. They only ran for 10 years. They went from 97 to 2007. And, you know, you think back now. 10 glorious years. It was. (laughs) You think back now and Pride seems ancient. But when you look at it, to your point, it's young. That wasn't that long ago, right? So, um. When we look at that, everything else that we know of today as MMA really spawned out of one of those two promotions. Mostly what we see over in Asia and even some of the promotions that tried to come over or came over to the the U.S. all were products of pride. As we know, Coker, Scott Coker, was a guy that was doing a lot of stuff over in Japan, things of that sort. He tried to bring some of that what he learned and how they did things in pride over to promotions over here in the U S and whatnot. And every American promotion is a spinoff of the UFC. Even, you know, when you look at the fact of the reason why everything is legal now is because the UFC went so hard and that's how we end up getting the unified rules, which almost everybody uses now. Um, I think the last, um, promotion big promotion that didn't use the unified rules if you remember strike force didn't use the unified rules like they had some weird rules like they had some weird i don't think they allowed elbows there was a couple of things that was a little bit different that they had but it wasn't the unified rules um but other than that just so you know pretty much everything spawned out of these two promotions once again i'm not saying there was no promotions no fighting before that but today's modern mma spawned from these two promotions so we're not talking about the gracie dojo barnstorms (laughs) exactly so what i would want you to do um first is give me without going into the fine detail just tell me what you have marked as your different errors and then i'll give you mine and then we can go into the fine details if that works okay so i'll just give you kind of i got mine into four eras so I'll just yep. give you like a broad overview of the four. Yep. So my first era, I call it the versus era. So that was when it was still style versus style was mm-hmm. the concept of MMA at the time, which is where it was basically rooted from. Mm-hmm. And then I think the second era 
was the cross training era of MMA mm-hmm. where people realized, okay, I have my base, but I have to learn some of this other stuff to make my thing work. You know, if I'm a wrestler, I have to learn how to box a little bit so I don't get knocked out. If I'm a boxer, I got to learn how to stuff a takedown or how to get up off my back. Mm-hmm. The third era, I got the mixed expertise era. In the fourth era, I think either just started or we're kind of almost hasn't started yet, you know, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the call it like the superstar slash super athlete era of MMA. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have five eras and the only one that we have in common is the first one. Okay. I have that as style versus style slash no rules era, even though we know there were rules. No rules, right? No fish hooking doesn't count as a rule. Like, that's just a thing you don't do. (laughs) From that, two things emerged, but one kind of stayed in the style versus style era. And that was uh, wrestling and BJJ. But I feel like BJJ, for what it was at that time, they stayed pretty pure to BJJ, so they were stuck in the style versus style era. And that second era was wrestling. That's where I feel like, and it kind of goes into something that you talked about. That was where guys started cross-training, but I think the wrestlers were the ones that came out of that ahead with being able to actually starting putting mixed, you know, martial arts into the MMA name, right? I, I, think, there, I think I've got a fairly decent grasp on why they were able to translate quicker at that. We can get into that later, but yeah, I'll have, I, I definitely want you to talk about that. The third era for me was the striking era. And in that era, I think about your Anderson Silva's, your Aldo's, your Chuck's, even if a person had wrestling or jujitsu, that wasn't what they were trying to do. It was about striking. It was about, you know, being fancy knocking people out. It was a different, striking went to a totally different level than anything before those those guys, right? Fourth level, I feel like is the total package. That was where guys really start putting every single thing together. Your GSPs, your JBJs, your DJs. And now I think that fifth era, we're in what I consider the foreign rising. Um, If you look at the UFC today, there are only three American champions, and that is Aljamain Sterling, who's going to be fighting this weekend, I believe, see if he can hold on to that belt, Thug Rose, and Juliana Pena, who just got the belt from a Brazilian, right, (laughs) not too many months ago. And and for the record, though, I also want to say that out of those three that you named, you know, all Jermaine Sterling is from New York, but by way of Jamaica, and he brings a Jamaican flag out, isn't it? Isn't that where he's from? That may be so. You know, so many people that are American because we're such a mixing bowl, if they know their heritage, they they usually, you know, wear that, so to speak. So, like, Thug Rose, I think, is from her people from yeah. Lithuania or something like that. But just, you know, really born, bred, not first or second generation Americans, I don't think we have any. 
<laughs> right, that's what I'm right. saying. So even of the the American champs, yeah. you know, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of uh, what you think of as you know your uh, you know, multi generational, deep rooted American, Midwestern Americans. Yes. Yeah, yes, you know, people that are very proud of their ethnic culture and our new. You know, absolutely, to America. absolutely, and to your point, uh, most of them use or bring out, uh, you know, a whole different flag. And I'm not sure what Pena brings out, but she may, you know, she's, uh, I believe she's Mexican American, so she may even, you know, I don't know if she uses an American flag. I, I know I've seen her with a flag before or a Mexican flag, but yeah. So I think that's the era that we're in. We're really seeing so many people from other countries really, um, you know, bubbling in this sport. Um, and I'm not exactly sure the reason why, but those are my five errors. Now I do have an honorable mention, <laughs> right? Okay. And the reason why I have that goes back to that definition. Um, we can never leave out the TRT era. I think it crossed over into some of the errors that I have, but it was definitely a significant thing in time where all of these MMA fighters were getting these TRT exemptions. And you mm-hmm. saw guys that seemed like they were old and past their prime. And all of a sudden they shot back up the ladder to like, you know, top five guys in their divisions. Yeah. You know, I wanted to say one more thing about like your uh, foreign rising generation. I think mm-hmm. that's something, I don't know if it's due to the new global economy or what, but I don't even think that's exclusive to MMA. I think if you look at the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, there's been a, you know, a real, like a European invasion there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the NFL and what's happening is like a lot of guys from Australia. There's like this Australian kicker. That's real good. You know, they're recruiting foreign countries now into college and these guys are getting mm-hmm. to the pros. So across the board in, spa- in uh, athletics, it's becoming more and more global. I think Americans got lazy, lazy Americans. That's what I mean. Oh, you on. think you're really going out on a limb there, man. <laughs> lazy Americans. <laughs> so Shocker. now that we, now that I've ran mine down, I would love for you to go into, and you don't have to do it for every single one of them, but if there's a particular error or something like that, you want to go into, you know, the fine details of why you chosen that as a particular error, any notable fighters or anything that, you feel like really encompass that and at the point in time in which you saw or the fighter that you feel like made the shift for going into the next era. Yeah, for sure. And I think when we go through these, I think we'll find, even though we worded them different and we got to set up a little different, we're actually mm-hmm. very close mm-hmm. on what we put together. Ultimately, we just, you know, labeled it a little different, but the one we had in common, like the versus era style versus style, which is the best thing that ever happened to mixed martial or to martial arts in general, you know, in thousands and thousands of years, Definitely. UFC one, you know, changed the game. And so obviously we got to start in 1993. UFC one is the, the start of an era. And I have it ending in 2001 when Mark Coleman loses to big nog in mm-hmm. the pride grand prix tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm glad you set up how important pride was to this too, because the year before that Mark Coleman kind of has this resurgence and he wins the pride tournament. You know, if you ever seen the documentary smashing machine, it details it a lot. And he was on top of the world. 
and I think that was kind of the last hurrah of that first generation of fighters that came in as I'm a wrestler, I'm a karate guy, I'm a jiu-jitsu player. Um, and I think, you know, that's telling. I feel like that era, that era is less than 10 years. It was a short time span. And even 2001 is kind of towards the end of it. But I feel like it was Mark Coleman and Kevin Randleman and a handful of these badass wrestlers still clinging to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think even though that transition happened for me at 2001, I think they put that first generation in a coffin in 2006 in the uh, Matt Hughes versus Hoist Gracie fight. fight. You remember that, that one? Never should, yeah, that fight never should have happened. Like, that was a... Yeah, that should have never happened. That's all I Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> um, I think that was like the official, you know, wiping off the map of that first generation of fighters. Like, yeah, we're done with you. Hoist Gracie out there with no gi. That's terrible. <laughs> so so what I call the, tr- the cross-training era, and I think we're just kind of what you have as the wrestling and the striking, I think I've just kind of crammed them into one. And I... Th- and I just think it was an era of people were doing their thing, but realizing they had to learn other things. And it's a copycat sport, like I've compared it to the NFL before. So, yeah, your wrestlers, you know, transitioned to it first, and they were winning. And they were the first ones to say, like, okay, well, we need to learn how to box a little bit, or we're just going to get knocked out when we're trying to shoot in. We mm-hmm. have to learn how to box, you know? And then you have your strikers that are like, okay, we have to keep this on the feet. We have to learn how to stuff to take down. We got to learn how to work a wizard. But it was still fighting. It was still learning that other skill set to set up your your primary skill set better. You weren't really trying to blend your style. You were trying to do damage control on this skill that you used to not have just to make you credible enough. And I think that that's that whole fighter of you know, your boy Big Nog, Matt Hughes, these guys that came in with a legit martial arts skill set and had to learn other things. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, no, Nogueira became a okay boxer. He was yes. a straight jiu-jitsu player that had to learn yes. how to do that because guys are boxing his head off. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And what was that, your first two or did you go to three? Oh, that was my first two, and more. I got that one ending okay. with a big exclamation point in 2011 when John mm-hmm. Jones mm-hmm. put the mash on fucking Shogun Hua. Yeah. Like, I think that was, like, the official ending of that second generation of mixed martial arts fighter and into what I called, like, the mixed expertise, which is the John Jones and these guys – you know, there's always some early adapters. I think GSP was an early adapter to fighting multiple styles. But <coughs> these guys that were as good at one thing as they are at the other. John Jones is a, a wrestler by trade. He was a college wrestler, All-American, I think. But a Juco All-American. But he does his damage on the feet. You know, he became a stand-up fighter. And I think that's what the sport evolved into as these younger guys grew up learning the multiple disciplines earlier and earlier into the game. And, uh, I think that's the, I think that started in 2011 and I think it's either still kind of in play 
or maybe we are kind of wrapping that up into my fourth generation, which I call like the superstar or the super athletes. And what I mean by that is the early UFC fighters weren't really great athletes. Typically they were martial artists and people that were looking for a way to make money with their expertise when there wasn't a lot of that out there, you know? So that's why you had guys fighting for three and three and 12 and 12. But even the people that were into combat sports weren't necessarily coming over because you could look at acting. You could look at going into WWE. There were alternatives to make more money kind of doing that thing. You know, you go into boxing because there's more money in boxing or, you know, you stick to playing linebacker because you can get a scholarship. Just people, we're doing different sports. Well, there's a whole generation of kids that are fighting now that always grown up knowing this was an option to make money. And I think that's really changing the game because it's the people that have the skill set of these guys ahead of them, but are now the guys that could have been, and he could have played in the NFL. You could have played, you know, you know what I mean? Any of these potential sports you used to not get those guys in the UFC. You just didn't. But when you look at, Gable Stevenson was eyeing, uh, you know, a potential going to MMA. That's a super athlete, you know, mm-hmm. that never really would have took that road. But now his whole life, he's seen that there's a, a future in um, combat sports. I think that's the good side of it is the game changes as you get these physical specimens and these great athletes coming in. But I think the downside is like the Conor McGregor effect of it. We're also now these guys are starting to play roles where you got Connor, you got Colby, um, I guess maybe even uh, Jorge Masvidal to an extent is. Yeah, with the suits and the slick back hair. <laughs> yeah, you know, these guys are playing a role and I feel like that's the downside of it. You know, it comes with a lot of money, but now these guys are playing a character. There are no more stone face Fedors. That doesn't that doesn't get you paid. Yeah, no, I definitely would agree. And um, so I'll run down my, our timelines are very different, but the problem is they overlap, but my timelines by themselves overlap, right? <laughs> so, because right. it, it's well, really I, different. That's the nature of errors, though. Yeah. There's always some overlap. And it, it's really difficult to pinpoint some of this stuff because you'll have a fighter that may have been ahead of their time. So they really fought through two different eras, but it was one, right? It wasn't really a shift yet. Right. So, um, the style versus style, of course, as you mentioned, uh, uh, 93, I actually have that ending right around 99 ish, um, that I have for mine where I feel like, um, you had more guys, um, you know, like for instance, you know, Randy, how we mentioned, which he's in that next era of the wrestler. We had more of those guys that even if they were wrestlers or whatever, they weren't just the, you know, just the, the, um, it wasn't just that one style. They had already started mixing other things in, especially because they didn't want to be the guy that knows nothing but wrestling. And you get down there and the jujitsu guys, guard and then he chokes you right so um that i think is one of the big reasons why they had to transition even before the hands i think they were more worried about the brazilian jiu-jitsu guys especially when you look at 
you know, a, a specimen like uh, um, uh, the world's most dangerous man. Um, shoot, what is his name? Uh, Ken Shamrock? Yeah, Ken Shamrock. When you look at, you know, Ken Shamrock, you know, juice to the gills, right? Versus a, a little skinny Hoist Gracie. And you're like, you know, how does this big wrestler, and he wasn't even just a regular wrestler. He already was kind of a mixed martial arts guy, but pretty much wrestling, right? And you look and you say he should be able to win this, and he he's not able to. And I think roughly about 97, 98, I think, is where the wrestler started to take over more. And I think that rolls right into the Randys, the Tito's, as you mentioned, the Mark Comas and all of those guys where you really wanted to be a part of one of these big wrestling camps, right? That was where it was at. Uh, you know, you want to be a part of Hammer House or, you know, a part of, you know, there was a few of them out there. Um, I forget the one with Randy and Matt Lindland and Dan and all those guys. Swell before. Yeah, Team Quest and all that. Like, these were the teams and stuff you wanted to be a part of, right? And then um, I think the next era, that one ended, I have that one ending somewhere, somewhere around the 2003-ish time frame. And then I have the Striker era. And I have that starting roughly about 2004 and going to 2013. And this one is the most cloudy to me because I think that striker was the biggest catalyst for bringing upon the era that I called the package, right? So you had your, um, I have Anderson Silva in this era. I have Aldo, I have BJ Penn, I have Chuck Liddell. And I think the reason why, I think all of these guys were very well-rounded, but they didn't use all of their skills, Right. Mm -hmm. Anderson Silva had great jujitsu. He wasn't using it. He wanted to counter and knock you out. Aldo his jujitsu black belt was like a technicality. Exactly. Aldo had great jujitsu. He wanted to kick your leg into the other row. Right. BJ, great jujitsu. He and and he had good wrestling, and nobody would know because he only used his flexibility in wrestling to keep it standing so he can punch you in the face. And Chuck, I mean, need I say more, right? <laughs> so I think all of these guys had the tools, but they just wanted to strike. And then that, I feel like that era kind of ended around 2013, 2014. Now, when we go into the total package for me, and this is what why I said it's such a big overlap, I feel like it actually started about 2010, and it ran until about 2017, 2018, where um, you really just had your, your your JBJs, your DJs, your GSP, where you really had guys that had multiple things and they were putting it together. You were going to see them strike. You were going to see them wrestle. You were going to see them do some jujitsu. Every fight, you're going to see a little bit of everything. And they're literally going to use whatever they need for that opponent, right? If I need to go out there and take you down, like, I mean, who would have ever thought that JBJ, as big as he is, was going to go out and take Chael Sonnen down? He's like, oh, it's easy path to victory. I'm just going to go take him down, right? You know, mm -hmm. so um, this is where I, I see that 
people really started to do that and put it together, not just have it, but use it. And then that next era, the foreign rise, I feel like started right around 2016-ish. And it was as some of that total package was coming into play, I I really feel like um, too many of the Americans were sticking too hard to the wrestling boxing. And I don't, I don't know that we were putting enough in to be well-rounded, but now also having the right people to really teach how to put all of this stuff together, right? And so um, I think that allowed for a lot of the foreigners to come into play. And of course, even when you look at, you know, the, the package error, um, GSP is one of the poster boys for that, right? And he's a French Canadian, right? So I think, you know, he was a big part of the start. And and don't get me wrong, as we know, we've always had, you know, the Brazilians floating around, but not where it was just like, you know, all of these different countries, you know, Brazil, the countries over in Africa, we have the, the, um, you know, the Russians. There's so many people now grabbing these titles in the UFC. A lot of Asian fighters. Correct. So, you know, I think that, it, you know, this era that we're in, and it's probably a big part due to what you mentioned, um, some of them are getting scholarships and different things to come over here. And what's great is when you can go somewhere and your your whole focus is on it because you're not Americanized, you don't have a lot of the same um things that we would have that would take us off of focus that you may not have. You come over here on a scholarship and you make this happen or you got to go back home and the people back home are counting on you, right? It becomes a whole different level of work ethic and everything else where that becomes prime. And I think that breeds some really great fighters. Definitely. Oh, and my honorable mention, my honorable mention, the TRT era, that went from, I think, about 2007 to about 2012. And the poster boys, Dan Henderson, Chael Sonnen, and Vidor Belfort. <laughs> no Frank Mir? You know, listen, Frank got on it late. You know, he was tired of everybody being too big, you know, so. Well, and know. Frank likes a little of everything, so I guess we don't got to <laughs> just call him a TRT guy. But yeah, uh. TRT Vitor is possibly like the scariest human like of all time. Yes. Like you know you used to argue about Bruce Lee versus Muhammad Ali and shit. Yes. TRT Vitor beats all of them. Yes. TRT Vitor was the person closest to dethroning JBJ and by stoppage with an armbar. And people forget that. It still, that. like, broke his arm or something. <laughs> I think they said it just popped it, but it didn't break. You know how sometimes it can dislocate, but it, like, pops back in? You don't have to have surgery or anything. It's just, like, you got to rest yeah. it and heal it. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it probably at least tore a little little tendon or something. Yeah. So, but that, that but- error was, was significant because, like I said, we saw a lot of the old guys that already – knew the old school stuff, the technique, they, they had the history and now it was almost like you take this 30 plus year old and you give them the 20 year old body. And we saw some spectacular 
like the craziest knockouts, wheel kicks, the knockout that uh, Henderson did to Bisbing. I mean, it was some crazy stuff that happened during that time. So that's why I feel like what we should do, and I understand the difference in a combat sport is you guys are punching each other in the face and you're hurting each other. Like, that's why in baseball, I don't care. I think they should just all be allowed to do it. Like, if you don't want to, you don't have to, but everybody can because you're not hitting each other. You know what I mean? You're throwing the ball around or whatever. You hit the ball. But so that's the reason is because one guy's doing it. The other guy isn't. But that's why I think they just need to invent the uh, unlimited division or the, you know, whatever. Where the USADA's thrown out the window, no drug tests, and let these guys get after it. Because ultimately, if everybody's willing to sign off, like nowadays, with medical assistance to aid you along the way, I mean, there's a lot of these actors that you see that are super buff or they get real ripped for roles. Yeah, they're juiced to the gills, but it's pretty Every safe. Every one because, of them. Yeah. Well, because the, they got money and they got a doctor and it's safe and you can do it. And it's not like fucking Lyle L. Zato or whatever, like taking cadaver, HGH from cadavers and shooting it into himself and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, listen, if I was an actor, I'm telling you right now, they said, listen, we need you to play this superhero. It's a, it's a $10 million role, but you got six months to get into like superhero shape. I'm going to find the best trainer and I'm going to get the best drugs and I'm going to go and I'm going to shoot this movie and be phenomenal. And then after the movie, I'm going to make sure I find someone that can slowly bring me down from the drugs and get me to a normal path again, which sometimes takes just as long, if not longer than ramping yourself up. But I absolutely would do it. I don't blame any of those actors. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, if you're not getting tested, I mean, how many The Rock has to be on all the steroids, right? Yeah, The Rock is on everything. Like, yeah, for his age, his size and everything else and to maintain what he has. And when you look at it and you look back in the day of him wrestling, like he's way more ripped than when he was wrestling. Right. And way bigger. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. So for him to be able to put on that type of size and everything with his frame and everything else, I, I would, it would be really, really hard for me to believe that he's natural. But once again, it goes back to the point also with a lot of these guys. And to your point, it's not even like you have to go down the road of, you know, these steroids that you ordered from the back of a magazine or, you know, these, uh, what did they call them back then? I forget there was a name. It basically falls under like what you hear guys doing like SARMs and stuff like that now where it's like these this test thing, right? And I remember the back of the magazine, they would always be like, hey, we have this test and, you know, it's completely legal, but we're trying to get FDA approval. We just need a few people to try. <laughs> it's like, yeah, give me three, <laughs> right? So now, you know, you can go to a doctor get TRT, everything's monitored, you're doing all the tests, they're watching not just your your uh, testosterone levels, they're watching everything else, see if your cholesterol goes out of whack, all these other markers that could cause a heart attack or whatever else later, so that you can regulate everything and do it safely, right? So at that point in time, especially if 
a big part of your look in Hollywood or whatever is based around this. And it's not like you have to go, you, you don't have to take your test levels to super steroid levels. If you're already, which a lot of these guys are, Rock is a specimen without drugs. So now mm-hmm. you give him a little bit and he's a, you know, a fast gainer, it's going to take him to another level, right? So, you know, for a lot of these guys, especially in active, why not? But to your point, my only issue in MMA is it either needs to be all or neither. Because as we know, Bisbing has one eye because of TRT Belfort. That's a big factor. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The unlimited division, you put them together. And yeah, it's not like they're, it's not like it's 1993 and they're getting Winnie at Powerhouse and ended up with like cellulitis and shit. Like it's, <laughs> this is the real deal, man. It's 2022. Listen, I remember I had a, um, I was working out at a local gym and I had got a trainer and the, the guy was out of California and he, uh, <laughs> he was talking about, it was like he was finding slick ways to bring up drugs he was telling me about all these people that he trained and these um, wrestlers he trained and stuff. He's like, yeah, you know, such, such. And, you know, I got him there, but, you know, I mean, that guy, for what he needs to do, you know, had to get him, you know, some this and some that. And I'm like, oh, okay, so uh, what's, what's the next set over here? Listen, I am not a – there's nothing within me that wants any of those drugs. I'm just a, a, a little fat Midwesterner. I'm not on any TV show. I'm not a fighter. I'm, listen, I don't I don't need the drugs. Whatever I can't do naturally. Now, I don't know. Maybe 10 years from now, I'm having issues. Something dropped off. But as of right now, yeah, I'm fine being the pudgy, you know, fat dude from the Midwest. I don't need to look like The Rock to sit at home for nobody to see me while I work on my <laughs> computer for work, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, for this, I really didn't have a lot of questions for this particular episode. It was really one of those things for us to kind of explain, because I know we talk about it a bit. We talk about different eras and everything for people to get a picture of what we're seeing, how we're looking at it when we talk about these eras. So I want to throw it over to you to see if you had anything else before we wrapped it up. No, I think we hit most of it. And I think. Like I said, ultimately, our shit was closer than what we thought. Like, you were like, oh, my my years are a lot different than yours. And you said it ended in 99, and I said 2001. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's almost the same thing. And I even said, well, and I just gave it a little extra because Mark Coleman won that tournament and shit. But, like, ultimately, we're kind of on the same page. And uh, I definitely am excited to see what uh, MMA is going to do moving forward because – I know I'm not the one to say it and it's cliche, but yeah, in the last 30 years, MMA has improved more or has advanced more than it had in thousands of thousands of years before that. And now that there's money to be made in it and it's a legit legal sport, uh, the sky is the limit for fighting and combat sports as, as a whole. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, at some point in time in the future, what I would love to see is for, um, a lot of these promotions to move a little bit more toward like what we see that are the 
you know, the, the, um, and I forget the name that they call them, but like the, the WBC, the IBF and everything in boxing where there's something that's put together that allows some of these fighters to fight each other. That's the next level to me, right? I really would love to see some of the smaller guys in the UFC go up against some of, you know, these one smaller guys, right? That's over in one championships. I think it would make for a great clash. I know at one time, I think it was, um, was it Strike Force and Dream or somebody that was trying to put on a few things like that? But I think they only had like maybe one or two events. Um, but that's what I would love to see in the future because then I think it opens it up even more. Well, shit. I mean, uh, Gegard. You know, yeah, yeah. like it'd yeah. be nice to see. Yeah, I mean, maybe not right now, but another win or two. You know, Gegard versus Stylebender might be a fight. Yeah, I think Gegard is one of those guys. This goes back to what he's talking about. I think he is. He's a he's a guy from the Fedor era that didn't transition over into the Connor era, and the Connor era was coming as he was leaving out of the UFC. And I don't know if you remember. But when he was leaving the UFC, he was making a, a really big fuss about not getting the big fights and the title shots. And he said it was because he's basically not acting an ass, you know, or trying to be somebody that he's not. And he felt like that was the thing that was really keeping him from those fights. And I agree with him. It wasn't a skill level. I think the UFC said he might be able to beat our champion or whatever, and we don't want this boring guy at the head of the UFC for a title. Mm-hmm. We we don't want it. And, you know, I think that's ultimately why he ended up leaving, but if you remember, even before he came to the UFC and everything like that, he's been in multiple promotions. He was a top guy at every promotion he fought in. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Fucking Gegard. Gegard versus Stylebender. Let's do Cross-promote it. Cross-promote it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's fucking Fedor versus uh, Randy. That's right. We need it. We need it. I'm going to make a phone call to Dana when we get off of here. <laughs> well, everybody. Dude, we could do fucking, uh, we could do Gegard versus Stylebender, mm-hmm. bare knuckle boxing. Damn. Okay. So that wraps up another Fat Boy <laughs> MMA podcast. <laughs> On that note, he went over his quota for this one. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Come back and listen again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>